Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I don't know if you guys do this. Have you guys ever read a book or watched a movie and say, I like that, but why do I like that? You guys ever do that? Like, really break down, is it the character? Is it the story? Is it the plot? What is it about this story that drew me in that I'm like, ooh, this was a good story? You guys ever? Well, after analyzing my favorite stories or favorite movies, I've come to conclude that there's common denominators among all the great stories. It starts out with character development of characters. The, the heroes, what they go through, the challenges, their insecurities, their fears. And then it goes through overcoming those fears, overcoming those challenges, small challenges that builds up to the climax. You guys know? And that climax reveals who they are, how they handle that challenge, how they overcome that fear. It, it goes from small battles, small challenges, to ultimately the ultimate climax, and that is like Braveheart, willing to fight even when the king is not supporting. He's like, I'm going to fight for my country even if the king is not on my side. It is the Avengers gathering, the everybody, all the heroes coming together to fight one villain, the Thanos, right, to, to victor. It is, and you can go through, Gladiator. It's the ultimate challenge that may put that hero to the test, even his own life. It's the emission impossible. How does the hero overcome the fears or overcome whatever obstacle that is before him? And it's often it's in these great challenge, the great climax that, that reveals who that person is, whether it's the hero or a zero. Now, that sounds like, that sounds like Shark Tank. Uh, okay, never mind. Okay, so we arrive in, in the book of Joshua. We've been going through chapter by chapter, and we arrive in this chapter in 11 and 12 where I feel, and I'm seeing this, where Joshua is reaching his climax of the story, of the plot. Chapter by chapter, the Lord has been leading him city by city. And he's giving him victory. Overcoming the obstacles, small challenges, greater challenge. But then he gets to chapter 11. We're going to see that he is up against the biggest battle of his life. And I want to welcome you guys to take a look at what made Joshua the hero. What does it reveal about who he is, a leader, man of God? How did he overcome the challenge? Look at what he did and then ask ourselves, what can we learn from Joshua? How can we be the hero of our story learning from Joshua? Okay, so that is our plan today. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Joshua chapter 11? Joshua 11. Now, the story goes chapter 11, 12, 13, but I will read excerpts to give you a broader picture. Joshua 11, 1 through 5. And 
I believe I'll be reading from the NIV version for you today. Either ESV or NIV. And if you guys don't know, ESV is, uh, it comes from the tradition of NASB, a new American Standard Version. Um, ESV is, has really good updated text criticism, meaning the archaeological findings of the, the, the best transcripts. And they did that really well. It's a more literal reading. NIV is thought for thought. It's a more dynamically translated Bible. You need both. Because sometimes the word for word is awkward in reading. Even though they take out the thou, it's still awkward at times. So NIV is a good up to 1984 translations. Anyways, going off. Uh, Joshua 11, 1 through 5. When Jabin, king of Hazor, heard of this, he sent word to Jobab, king of Madon, to the king of Shimron and Akshef, and to the northern kings who were in the mountains in the Araba, south of Kinnereth, in the western foothills, and in Nafdor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and west, to the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Jebusites in the hill country, and to Hivites below Hermon in the region of Mizpah. They went out with all their troops and a large number of horses and chariots, a huge army, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. All these kings joined forces and made camp together at the water of Merom to fight against Israel. Okay, here's the backdrop. And if you remember, leading up to chapter 11, up to chapter 10 that we covered last week, the Lord has been leading Israel and Joshua from town to town, overtaking them. They first cross into the Jordan River. This is high water. The Lord allowed them to stop the water. They walk miraculously. They get to Jericho by a shout and praising of God. The walls come down. They take them. I, another city, city after city, they're, they're just falling. They're overcoming. And so, the other kings, and if you remember chapter 10 of the previous week, there were five kings who were like, okay, the city of Gibeon. They were a great city, and they made treaty with Israel because they feared. They, they recognized that God was on Israel, and they were like, okay, let's make a peace treaty because we don't want to die. That was a smart move. But then the other kings were like, no. We, they're setting a precedence, an example for other cities because they are giving themselves up. And we're going to teach anyone who is making an alliance with our enemy is our enemy. We're going to teach Gibeon. So the five kings made an alliance and said, we're going to set out to kill them. What do Israelite or what did Joshua do? Annihilated them in 24 hours. Well, I don't know about 24 hours because the, the time expanded, okay? But in one day, in one single campaign, five kings, five cities were annihilated. Now, now the reputation of the Israelites is just spreading. If it wasn't for the miracles in the desert, if it wasn't for the Jordan River drying up and they could cross, if it wasn't for the, the city of Jericho falling down, if it wasn't for all that, now the five kings being annihilated by one army, it got their attention. So this is sort of the reverse. It's like the reverse Avengers. <laughs> all the kings are coming together in fact, who is this? Uh, Jabin, the king of Hazor. He was a king of the largest city in Canaan at that time. 
33 times larger than the city of Ai. Okay, they were considered sort of the capital of the land of Canaan, of the promised land that they entered into. The largest. And when this king says something, the who's who's of other kings listen. You guys understand? So Jabin sort of makes an alliance with all the rest of the kings, and he doesn't hold back anyone. From kings from the north to the south, east and the west, he gathers every one of them. Uh, from the northern uh, north to the south, Arabah in the south, uh, Nepath, Dor on the west, uh, to the Canaanites on the east, we're talking all. All means all. <laughs> all the kingdoms. He's making a reverse alliance, sort of like the reverse Avengers, to come against Israel. Say, we're going to teach them a lesson. We're going to put a stop to it at this moment. So, when... Have you guys ever felt outnumbered? I don't know if you've ever had enemy in your life, but it's one thing to have an enemy. It's another to have a whole army of enemies coming against you all at once. How you respond to such a challenge kind of reveals about yourself, of who you are. Are you going to stand up and fight or say, it's a war I can't win. You can have that land. <laughs> it was a good idea, but I'll be happy with this small plot right here. I'll, I'll settle. What you choose to respond to reveals who you are. But it's those heroes are the ones who overcome that, right? Overcome their fears, their insecurities, their uh, maybe limitations or inadequacies. I'm still willing to go forth and do the hard thing if God calls me to. That's what the hero does. Joshua, in handling the biggest challenge of his life, does three things. Three things that I think is a life lesson for us. One, he took courage in the Lord courage in the Lord. And this has been the theme since the very beginning. In Joshua chapter 1, the Lord called Joshua and enabled him, empowered him, anointed him as the leader. But he says, be strong and be courageous. But he reiterates this throughout the, all the campaigns. And here in uh, Joshua eleven six, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them because of this time tomorrow I will hand all of them over to Israel slain. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. I want you to know that Joshua took courage in the promise of God. He took courage in what God said. Not in his own accomplishments, not in his own abilities, or his army, or the strength thereof. He did not look at and count the cost of all his men and what they're able to do to say, I can go up against them. That's your own ability. Or his own smarts. Even though he had all of that, He didn't count his confidence in what he had. He took confidence and courage in who God is. Why? Because whenever the Lord had given a promise and said, Joshua, take courage. Be strong and courageous. There was always a promise that here is what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I'm going to be with you, right? And every time the Lord has been faithful, 
The Lord empowered, enabled, and said, I am with you. You are not fighting this. I am fighting this. And if you remember, it, uh, right after they crossed, after they sat, consecrated themselves, the commander of the Lord's army, which I believe is Jesus Christ, he showed up with a sword, double-edged sword. And Joshua was like, are you for us or against us? He's like, neither, for I am the commander of the Lord's army, the prince of the Lord's army. He showed up. It was the Lord's fight. And Joshua took confidence in God's word because it was the Lord who was doing the fight. And the Lord is faithful. That is his name. He is faithful. There is nothing that he says and then changes his mind. There's nothing that he says he was going to do and says, so like, yeah, I'm not going to follow up. That's not who he is. Joshua saw how God, how God is bigger than his circumstances, bigger than his enemy, bigger than his own inability or his limitations. God saw his big power, and, and that's a lesson for us. When we're up against a challenge in our workplace, in our marriage, in our life, whatever it is, we see how big that problem is, and we forget how big God is. When you're focusing on the great God and the bigness of God, you realize how small this problem is, no matter how big that challenge is. And that's the paradigm. That's God's, uh, or Joshua's perspective. He took confidence. Not only did Joshua take confidence in God, in every, but he, he obeyed every command, every small command. I want you to know that... Um, did you know that you guys, you can train fleas? I, re I read an article that you can train fleas. I know, I read a lot of random things. But in this article, they say you can train fleas, and you start with putting fleas in a jar and put a cap on it. Because the fleas would jump, hit the lid, and over time, they will stop jumping to hitting that lid. You take that lid off after a while and they will stop jumping past the lid area because they've been trained. After so many banging, you train them. In the same way, we humans are not far from fleas. <laughs> uh, there was a study back in, uh, in, in the late 60s. Scientists have figured out that, hey, Smoking causes cancer. It's bad for you. Like, we all know this now, right? But back then, they did a study, a scientific proven and all that. So they communicated to the culture, say, hey, smoking is bad for you. It causes cancer. Stop. But it didn't happen. People didn't stop. It didn't reduce any of it. They're like, why? And they did a further study and figured out 90% or the smokers had already known that it was bad, but 90% had them have tried to quit and failed. And after they try to quit and fail, they stop trying. They're like fleas. They keep hitting against that lid and said, I can't, I can't, I can't. 
Therefore, I'm not going to try anymore. Even when that lid is lifted off, they stop. There's something to be said about how people of God don't take courage in God because sometimes we have been trained. We have prayed and God didn't answer. We have asked and it's still this thing happened. And somehow we have lost faith because we have been trained by our experience or not by God's word or his promises, but we think of our own expectations to our own time. And we have conditioned ourselves like fleas. But I want you to know that you have to take confidence in what God says, not our experience. You have to take confidence and boldness of who God is, not who we are. Joshua overcame his life's biggest challenge by taking courage in the Lord and by obeying every small thing. Every small thing. I want you to know that that faith did not come overnight. It happened through his obedience of every small thing. I want you to notice that in uh, verse 6, in Joshua eleven six. 6. I want you to know that it's the success of the small things that led Joshua to his bigger thing. Uh, Joshua eleven six 6 says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them because of this time tomorrow I will hand all of them over to Israel slain. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. It's a little minor detail in the whole grand scheme of attack, but God says you are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. Now, if you know back then militarily, their horses were like tanks. Horses and chariots were like their tanks. My immediate thought in reading that is, but why, God? Because I think I'm smarter sometimes, and I outsmart myself. I think if you can get close enough to hamstring them, why don't you steal them and use it for your own work? That's what I'm thinking. But God says, hamstring them, destroy them. Don't use them. And it's these little details that Joshua didn't question God or his strategy. He just obeyed. And I, sometimes I outsmart myself. Uh, I want you to consider, though, if you were the general and, you, and your men can access their heavy-duty equipment, doesn't it sound more logical to take their equipment? If you can't get close enough to hamstring it, you can take it. You can use it. But why? Like, not use it. So Joshua set aside his own logic, his own strategy, and just obeyed. There's a lesson here. Think about Eve, okay, the, the first sin. When Eve, before taking of that fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what did she think? When she saw that it was good for food and good for her wisdom, for knowledge, when she thought she could benefit from it, she took it. When you buy the lie and think you can outsmart God, you outsmart yourself. When you think you can do more than God, or 
better than what God tells you to do, you're going to outsmart yourself. It's in obedience to the little things that will lead you to the greater things. It's what God entrusts you with the smaller things that you are faithful and obedient to that he says, now you're ready for the bigger. So uh, the pair of the talents that Jesus spoke, there are three servants. The master, before he leaves, he gave one five talents, another two, he gave another one according to their own abilities. You guys remember that story? Okay. The point of that parable was that the ones who were faithful with what they were given, five doubled it. He goes, oh, my faithful, I will give you more. The two doubled it. Oh, you're faithful, I'll give you more. The one who didn't do anything with it, he took that talent away from him and gave it to the one who had. What you are revealing of your faithfulness to the smaller things, God says, I will give you the bigger things. If you can't be faithful with a little, why would God give you the bigger? That makes no sense. Even if you're a management of a small company, if your employee is not faithful to the little, why would you entrust them with a bigger? But to those who are faithful, you give them more. Be fruitful, then multiply. If you're not fruitful with a first, why give more? There's no multiplication. So Joshua was faithful to every small orders. And you can see this in verse 9 and 15, Joshua 11, 9 and 15. Joshua did to them just as the Lord said to him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. In verse 15, just the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant. So Moses commanded Joshua. So Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. All. He was faithful to every small task. Everything that the Lord said to Moses to tell to Joshua, Joshua fulfilled every command. He was faithful to the small things. So when the Lord gives us small opportunities, these are the means for us to be faithful with the task so that he can say, my good and faithful servant, I want to give you more. You've been faithful with a little, I'm going to give you more. See, the big challenges in your life does not come overnight. He knows what, you, what we are able to handle by how faithful we are to the small tasks. And it's not just in your workplace, it's in, in your family, how you raise your kids. It's how you are working as an employee, how, how faithful are you to the tasks that you are given are you honoring your employer? Are you honoring your boss with the little things? Or are you thinking, ah, it's a little thing. It's a little sticky path. And people take it. Yeah, this, is a, this is a funny story. You know, in Washington, D.C., a lot of government offices. And I've seen it. I've seen my friends do it. And I've seen my friends tell me stories about this. So, true story. Washington, D.C., there's a lot of government contract, a lot of government offices. And this happens in multiple places because I've heard all these funny stories. The storage room with all the office supplies. Right around late August before school starts in September in Virginia, in the D.C. area, the school supply room emptied out. Craziest thing. They go shopping for their kids in their office supply room. Our tax dollars. Funny thing was, is that 
when I went to seminary, my friends <laughs> sent me school supplies <laughs> from their office. I was like, where'd you get this? They didn't tell me. I, I was like, is this from your work? There was a culture that happened in the, because everyone else is doing it. They found themselves. And these are my Christian friends. They were helping me while I'm in seminary because you needed school supplies. <laughs> that was a culture. And, and um, I share that not as a rebuke of my friends, but are you faithful to the little things, even of your job, office supply, of what you're given, what you're entrusted with, freely that you can go in and use to, for your work, but yet you're taking it and giving it to your kids? Or I, I say that as a funny thing, okay? Not as a rebuke. Hopefully you guys don't do that. But it's a faithfulness to the littlest things, littlest things. <laughs> oh, okay. So to overcome the greatest challenges, Joshua took courage. He was faithful to the small task, to the little things. And then finally, three, he persevered through time. He persevered. I, I, this is kind of interesting because when you look at this story in Joshua chapter 11 and 12 and, and, and the following, it just looks like because... When we read the Bible, we sometimes forget how to read. We read it almost like a literary fiction, and we just go through and keep think that there is a pattern and style of the 21st century Western mindset, and we think that is applying to the books that we read. And that's the mistake that we have. A lot of the ancient literary books, like Joshua, the styles change. The compiler, the writers, the way they wrote it, had different purposes. So you can't read it like we do modern day books. Well, what looks like a blip in chapter 11, what looks like one day actually took seven years. Let, let me bring. So uh, Joshua 11, 16 through 19. So Joshua took his entire land, the hill country, all the Negev, the, the whole region of Goshen, the western foothills, the Arabah, and the mountains of Israel with their foothills from Mount Halak, which rises towards Seir, to Baal, Gad, in Valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down, putting them to death. Joshua waged war against all these kings for a long time. Except for the Hivites living in Gibeon, not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites who took them all in battle. Let me read verse 18 again. Joshua waged war against all the kings for a long time. Now that's one short sentence in the context of the whole chapter. And if we've been reading from chapter by chapter as a city by city, we look at chapter 11 think, oh, that's just another day. No. Because when, you, when we get to a later chapter with, I think it's either chapter 13 or 14 with Caleb, Caleb accounts that took seven years. From the time that they crossed over the Jordan to that point in time when Caleb was talking about, it took seven years. So I want you to also know that verse 16 through 19 that uh, we just read, all those hill countries and the valleys, they're walking and running to these places. You can't cover that much geography in 24 hours. You, you guys understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, but when we get to verse 6, let me read verse 6 for you. 
the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them because by this time tomorrow, and that's where we think it's just another day, right? Uh, by this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them over to Israel slain. So that word for tomorrow, and I know NIV translated it tomorrow, but that word can be after today, okay? In the coming days. So it's not just tomorrow. Tomorrow can be one of the many translations, but it's not an accurate translation, if that makes sense. So the Bible wasn't wrong. It was the translators that were wrong. You with me? So it's an idea. In the days to come, Joshua, they're going to be annihilated. I'm, gonna, I'm giving them to you. God wasn't lying. It's just how we interpret the modern-day English, which doesn't always do well. But I want you to consider this campaign. God gave a promise to Joshua, and it took seven years. Joshua didn't know that. He's going from the hills to the valleys, to the hill to the valleys, from the north to the south to east and the west. He is covering a lot of ground, a lot of kings, a lot of army. It didn't happen overnight. One day, seven years, day after day, he persevered. He did not stop. I don't know what gets you moving in your work. Same thing every day over and over. Sometimes we wake up, I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> the thought of perseverance Perseverance can be translated persistent patience. Persistent patience. It is to continue to wait and press in. Wait and press in until it's done. Sometimes we go through life through the mundane over and over, patterns after patterns, and we think, why are we doing this? And believe me, I know ministry can feel that way too. But we persevere. Why? Because God calls. There's a greater purpose, not of my personal desire, but what God's desire is, what God's plan is. And that only is revealed through God. And, and I'm just saying, Perseverance, there's something to be said about that. I think I shared in a message. I forgot her name. Uh, Dr. Duckworth. She was on TED Talk. You guys heard? Did, it, did I? Well, I, I see a lot of new faces. But anyways, this in her talk, and she's a psychologist and well-known speaker, and she talked about successful uh, kids who they did a lot of studies. What made one people more successful than others? Was it their talent, IQ, upbringing, all, all those things? And she studied all the different demographics, different schools, and all these things, and found it wasn't intelligence, education, um, upbringing, social class, race, that made them one group more successful than another. It was the kids who showed grit. Grit. If you haven't seen her TED Talk or read her articles, I encourage you to do so. She's awesome. 
Anyways, um, she says a lot more, but I'm really summarizing here. Grit, she talked about, is kind of that persistence, perseverance. Grit is one who doesn't give up. You guys know what that? It is the widow who fought through the crowd to say, if I could just touch the hem of his cloak, I would be healed. I will not stop. There is thousands of people, but I will just press in. I'm going to keep going through because I, the, my goal is to get to Jesus. And I'm not going to stop until I get to touch them. It is a perseverance that says, I am not going to stop until I get to the destination, until I get what I need, or, or until God says, I am done. It's having the grit and the faith that says, I keep pressing in no matter how discouraging it may be, no matter how tired I am, no matter how it doesn't seem like day after day, what I'm trying to accomplish here, they're not hearing me. I don't know how many people you have tried to share and evangelize and pray for. Maybe it's your kids. I don't know, but keep persevering. Don't stop. I love the story of the, uh, the, the widow in the Bible uh, where... Jesus shared the story. Do you guys remember this persistent widow who wanted justice? She goes to the judge and asks, and this judge did not know the know God. But where is it in my? Okay, so Luke eighteen four through five. I don't know if I have it there, but this widow wants justice. Goes to the judge and keeps asking, and his response. He says this, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. <laughs> That's grit. That's grit. That's perseverance. That is unwilling to quit no matter the cost. And life has a way of giving us curveballs. Life has a way of giving us disappointments that it is not to what we expect or what we even want. But I'm telling you, if you want to be the hero in your life, you have to have grit. You have to persevere. And how we respond to our disappointments is going to reveal a lot about who you are. Whether you will be the hero in your story or not. And we all have our challenges. We all will have great challenge because, and I can tell you that yesterday's challenge is not going to be our today's challenge because we overcame that yesterday's challenge. And there may be a greater challenge. Your challenge may not be my challenge because I've gone through that challenge before and it's no longer a challenge because I know how to overcome it. But God gives me my own share of challenges that is bigger and, and I have to deal with it. Everybody's challenge is different, but how you choose to overcome, how you choose to obey, how you choose to listen to the voice of God and obey the small things and persevere and have grit, mm, bite down and keep, keep on keeping on, reveals a lot of who you are. I know that cliche, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? It's easier said than done. Come on. But I did read about one story that touched my heart. You guys heard about Bob Whelan? 
No. In June of 1969, an American soldier stepped on a mine in Vietnam War, and it damaged his legs, requiring W amputation, completely cut off. And he said that my legs went one direction, my life went another direction. So what do you do when um, everything that you were known for, maybe your abilities, in a single moment, God just takes it away? After he came back, he enrolled in, from, from the war. He said he enrolled back from California State U in Los Angeles, where uh, later on he joined Green Bay Packers as a physical trainer. November 1986, Bob competed in a New York City marathon, not on wheelchair, but with his own hands, taking four days to complete the 26 miles without wheelchair. He ran across America on his hands, taking three years, eight months, and six days to travel from coast to coast to raise money for the Vietnam vets. On his, uh, he did a, he was the only double amputee to finish the Kona's Ironman Triathlon without a wheelchair, he's, where he swam 2.4 miles, biked 100, I don't know how he biked, uh, the hand, biked 112 miles and ran 26.2 miles. His most recent marathon, I believe, uh, that was like 15 years ago. At age 57, he did a marathon that took 173 hours and 45 minutes. That's over seven days. And Bob said, this was not natural. This was supernatural. And I, I don't know if you guys can see this picture. He, the only thing he has is a special uh, glove on his knuckles. But he is walking across with his hands. His motto, it's always too early to quit. The man doesn't quit. He said, my, my legs went one way, my life went the other. And he became one of the um, inspirational speakers, one of the most sought out for in his time. And because people were invited to hear his story, how he doesn't quit. And he talks about God. His story is about God. It's easy to say when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's the easy way. But can you persevere? Can you keep on keeping on and not quit? Because how we respond to our big challenge, how we are able to overcome and persevere, one that takes years, much longer than Maybe one day that we thought it was going to happen will reveal if you will be the hero in God's story. I, I want to welcome the, uh, the prayer team up. We're going to close with this thought. You know, all these stories, these stories, um, sometimes we go through these narratives and just like city after city name after name that we'll never remember <laughs> and we often forget it and just consider it and, and put the story to a side when we have all these facts because they don't mean anything I, I'm telling you that this was the biggest challenge in Joshua's time 
when you're up against an 10, 15, 20, I, I don't know what the number of kings and the cities who went up against them, but it's so easy to say, God, I know you said that I, you're giving us that land, but man, I was totally happy here in Egypt. Right? I'm totally content where I'm at. I might be a slave, but I, I don't need to die. We could easily make excuses to, for that in our life to say, God, I'm happy where I'm at. And that's okay if that's what you desire. But if God, if you believe God wants something bigger for you, he might give you some challenges to ask, are you ready for, for what you want? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.